Yo, what up, what up, what up? This is the Lazy Philosophers YouTube channel, or podcast. <laughs> and today we're going to be yakking. I got Renee. How do you say your last name, Renee? Valdivieso. Valdivieso. Hey, that almost sounded good, right? Like, Oh, you added an R in there somewhere. Oh, well, I, okay. I thought you guys, Mexicans, had that stuff in your names. <laughs> we, we just roll R's. Yeah, randomly, random. right? Like, the, uh, <laughs> phantom R's. Yeah. But we're going to be yakking about political correctness, man. Yes, political correctness. Like, they're... Like, all right, so here's my thing, is um, I think political correctness initially was for a civil society, but I think it's becoming more and more authoritarian, like it's a way of like controlling people and like stating that you have an authority over that person in a setting, like, oh, you know, you didn't use the exact right term in this, so I'm going to invalidate everything you say, and I'm going to get you fired from your job. Yeah, which has never, it's never literally changed people, people just change and say enough so they can move on to the next employer so it's just it's a very it's very minimal effect it you're not going to change people um you can just bring awareness to it but all that person's taken away from it is like oh i just can't say how i really am and what i really think around this person but i'm going to keep saying it around everyone else that agrees with me so it's just creating conflict well it creates like a false identity within yourself right a secret identity mm-hmm. like like so you got all these undercover racists right and like where it's like oh man like you know they're yakking with you they just don't say the n-word but they act like you're an n-word right. but you know like uh, max jante uh, said this in the last po- uh, um our podcast about language he's like or no this is afterwards he would he said um, and I quote, um, I don't mind if you call me a nigger, just don't treat me like one. <laughs> and, and that, that was, uh, uh, man, I, like, I think that sums it up is I feel like in the Chicago comedy scene, I've talked about this before. I'd say like half the scene treats me like an N word, like all the time. Like, yeah, that's they, it. <laughs> they treat you like an N word. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Like, uh, cause I, I actually recently, uh, talked to a comedian about, he, He used the N-word in crowd work um, because uh, somebody, like, heckled him during one of his jokes, and he, he, like, was setting up the joke. uh, And without giving the the bit away too much, someone someone essentially was like, he's like, I'm about to go dark. And someone's like, oh, what, are you going to say, you know, there's a black woman. She's like, are you going to say the N-word? And she actually said it. But And so the whole room, like, just kind of gets tense and quiet. And his... I think he bailed on his closer because of what happened. But he's like, Miss, uh, do you see where I am right now? And the room was mainly people of color. He's like, you really think that I would say that? Nigga, please. And ah. the, the whole room like erupts with oh. laughter. Is this that Kiefer? Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, now we know. It was Brandon Kiefer. And he told me that. And he's just like, look, that whole crowd understood intent. They understood that I fed off this lady. She set me up for the bait. And he's like, none of my other jokes, mate. And I, within debate, I know he's not racist. I, I understand his intent. But with his, like, some of his bits where he's like, oh, my grandpa with the Confederate earbud. Ah. He's, he's one of my favorite comics in the city. But you have those people in Chicago that are just like, anything that remotely touches on this might be racist and this might be problematic so let's distance ourselves from it i'm like you're not listening to this man no like he 
he does not support any of that at all. He's shining a comedic light on this, and he's being goofy with well, it. Well, this is the thing about Brandon Kiefer. Brandon Kiefer has some of the most black friends in the scene. He's uh, like, you know, so like, yeah. the thing is, I've, I've said this on stage, the comics that are the most PC are the ones who definitely don't have black friends. Like, or minority friends. 100% agree with you on that. Yeah. Like, it's just like, because like, the, the thing is, is when you hang out with, my, it, it's kind of like the people who you're most proper with are the people you'll never hang out with. It's yeah. just, it's tiresome. It's well, like at towns, like I, I fucking love those guys because, like, like I, again, I grew up like loving the fucking tough crowd guys, and I see like echoes of that within Kiefer and within Ed Towns and within you guys at the Young Hells because I'm like, it's just genuine. It's just genuine. Like you guys get it. You guys grew up around a lot of people with different ethnic backgrounds and makeups, and you were able to be like. Uh, I know society thinks I'm supposed to be like this, but dude, like we're way more complex creatures than that, and we can all absorb from each other, and that's what you get. And like with Ed Towns, like especially during the whole like uh, political stampede of post within the last like year and a half, like Ed Towns would be like, you know, I make my decisions and I have my POVs because I know that some of these people don't represent people of color. And so that's why I prefer this. And that's why I don't want to choose this person. And you had a, just a bunch of white people telling him, like, no, you pretty much, they were contesting him as a black man, thinking he knew what was best for black people. Yeah. And I'm like, how are you telling him that? It's like, and they wouldn't even consider what he was saying. He's like, you're not even listening. So that is problematic, that you think, as someone that's not even in the race, you have the absolute ultimate answer to this. And I'm trying to tell you, here's why it's we're not completely sold. And they were just like, no, we know more than you about this. Well, so here's the thing is like, all I'm going to say some stuff that will not earn me any fans anywhere. <laughs> like, I, I think um, basically the a lot of what holds people back is the fact that they can't, Dude, you know how crippling it is to an individual to think all of society is against you? Right. Do you do you understand how much that will attack your self-esteem yeah. as an individual? Mm -hmm. So to to so to me, I don't think you're doing me any favors by saying like, "Hey, no, look, you are a victim." All right? You are, society is trying to you over man all right then and you know what it's okay it's okay because i'll save you you can't save yourself though because you're too weak because society has screwed you over time and time again right like to me dude like that that this whole this and this expands over into feminism as well it's this idea of loving to be the victim how even in the men's right movement right mm -hmm. i am the victim no i am the victim y'all shut up being a victim is not a good thing <laughs> like it's stop competing over who is the most oppressed right. This is not a game you want to win. <laughs> at all. No. At all, dude. Um, anytime, like, I, I'm, one, I'm one of those voices where I'm like, dude, I'm going to hit on every target I want to hit on. And, some, and a lot of those targets, they represent those groups of people that are like, oh, my God, this shouldn't be talked about. You, should, you shouldn't punch us down. You shouldn't do this or that. How would you feel if you saw a, co a comedian punching down to Mexicans? And I'm like, dude, I think it's hilarious. Yeah. As long as it's not some, like... As long as it's not some hack joke at this point, and then my only observation on it would be like, oh, I heard that Def Jam comedy in 1993. Like, yeah, bro. Do something new. Exactly. Like, I would encourage it. And so people think that, like, they got me, like, oh, 
checkmate. What have you heard Mexican jokes? I'm like, I would love to hear more Mexican jokes. Well, that's how you know you fit into yeah. society. This is why I think, and this is Clay's point, is like, we need to hear more trans jokes. You know why? Because when you joke with someone about something, it shows that you're accepting them. I joke with my friends. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it, and now that's not the only reason, right? But that is a, a way that we, we extend out to people and say like, hey, we're not so different. We're joking. We're exactly. ragging on each other. And so like, when you continue to say, no, there are special class of people who cannot be touched. What you're literally saying, and the whole don't punch down, how... How derogatory is that? Like, to, to me, Very. there is nothing more derogatory than like, yo, man, don't punch down. It's like, what, dude? I'm not calling them subhuman. Right. That's what you're implying by that statement. You're it's, implying yeah. that you are up and they are down. It's, it's, to me, oh, man. I saw, I saw a major comedy producer in the city say um, there was a comic that was doing some jokes that targeted women. Not in a crazy way, but in a, like, it's a, it's a joke. Yeah. You understand the context of the joke. And she literally said, male comedians should not be ton- punching down to women comedians. I'm like, you yourself, in that statement, are implying that women are beneath men. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that, that man comic is equalizing the field. Mm-hmm. He's talking about things as, like, I can talk about this. I can talk about that. You're all equal in this world of comedy. So for you to insert yourself and you're like, no, you're punching down to women. You're insulting yourself as a woman and you're insulting, you're, spe- you're taking the authority role to speak on every other woman and insert your own sensitivity level into everyone because you're, you're generalizing. You're saying, we, none of us can take this. You should only uplift us in your comedy. And I don't want to watch a showcase where it's eight co- uh, comics back to back being like, Women are beautiful, women are the best. Women are beautiful, women are the best. Men are cis pigs, women are beautiful, women are the best. And yeah, you can all high five and hug at the end of the show, but that audience, I guaranteed were bored out of their mind by the third person. Oh yeah, dude. It, 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 it just blows my mind, okay? Everybody, and this is something endemic to the Chicago scene, and we talked about this before, is everybody is so afraid of getting eviscerated online, right? Is everyone is so afraid of like, oh my God, you know, am I gonna have a status written about me that can ruin my career and everything like that? And what's that doing is you're limiting people's creativity. We're li- literally, there are people who can't tell the jokes they wanna be, they'll never be the comics they wanna be because they live in a scene that's so, re- so, it's, it's like a witch hunt, dude. It is. It, every time. It's just like, and, and, and it happens online, so it happens so rapidly, and it's permanent. It's there forever. Yeah. There's, um, like, because what I've noticed in, just in the time I've been active in the Chicago comedy scene, what I've noticed in, like, the six, seven times I've seen it happen, some of the support that snowballs on these threads is by people that don't 100% have the same opinion, but they're looking at it like, almost like they're scheming. They're like, if I show my support here, and if I go to their showcase after this, and if I keep saying you're the best, and oh my God, how could someone say a joke like that? And I fully support that that offended you, and I get it. It's like, you're kind of brown nosing. It's like a digital form of brown nosing. Oh yeah. Because like, like, I'll hear these comedians talk like, away from the shows and away from that and they'll say some super contradicting shit and i'm like oh wait hold on i remember you being all white knight and high and mighty about this shit just because this woman producer talked about it invented about it and you joined in on the witch hunt 
and you affected this person on yep. a local level that's now having a hard time getting booked. And so it's just not genuine. It's it's like a business move. It's it's politics. You're like, oh, I don't 100% support this, but I don't want to look like I don't. Mm-hmm. So let me just have my voice be heard. Yep. Yeah. So it's even if it's a false voice, it's a little ploy, man. Well, so here's the thing: is um, I forget who says this. I think I think it's Christopher Hitchens, where he says a truth poorly expressed is a lie, or a true expression poorly expressed is a lie. Hmm. Uh, and I think that with political correctness, what it does is it puts the truth through a filter. And it ends up distorting the filter to a point where we aren't able to talk about the actual problems. We aren't able to entertain discussions because why? Because it makes people uncomfortable. The thing is, is the truth is supposed to be uncomfortable. That's just kind of the nature of it. it the, the closer you get to it, the more it kind of you feel attacked by it. But behind it is the solution. Mm. And whenever we're talking about any, any kind of these issues, if you just keep stopping at the surface layer problems, we're not going to ever be able to touch on the, the real issues. Like, like, there are like real issues in the black community that no one's calling black community out on. And I'm black, right? Like, but ghetto, there's this com- been complation of you can't talk against ghetto culture without being racist. Dude, ghetto culture isn't black culture. Right. So why are we defending it like it is? Why is it? And th- th- this is the whole PC movement. It conflates everything. And they, they, they basically make themselves a spokesperson for the whole race and saying like, no, these people don't, can't take responsibility, which is also speaking down to them, which only perpetuates the cycle. You can't grow until you take responsibility as an individual and as a community. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and the thing is, it's just so difficult for people to talk about because oh in the narrative of society black people are perpetually victims and we can't assess it in any other way this what i think bothers me the most about political correctness isn't that it exists but that that it lacks all nuance Mm. no i so with that to piggyback what you were saying about like uh talking about like black issues um this is gonna sound so cliche so i let me let me give the background again. So I mentioned to you that I have a very diverse group of friends, my, my close best friends. So one, white Italian. One, uh, Texan Amer- uh, Texas, Tex-Mexican, I guess. That's a corny term. Black, black. And uh, yeah, let's cap it there. And, and another huh. Mexican, Mexican from New York. So it's like, I grew up with all the, and I'm the Mexican in the group. And so I grew up with all these like, uh, these views, these perspectives, I would hear about the problems and I would start like kind of getting a more well-rounded view of the world. And with uh, something that I talk about with my friend Byron, um, one of the, one of my black uh, best friends is the word animal, how like black people get so triggered by the word animal and Mm. like, and like I, I follow the world, world star hip hop page. I'm. I always watch the video compilations. If there's like a fight video, dude, I, I was always the guy that ran to a fight in high school, middle school, whatever. I like watching fights, so I watch shit like that. And like, if you ever go to the comment threads, it doesn't matter, because they upload like like white guys fighting each other, they Mexicans fighting Mexicans, and so I'm I'm desensitized to it. I'm desensitized to these people fighting. But if, like, ABC Chicago or any type of publication locally uh, is, like, a large fight breaks out in Southside and the mall and uh, kids are arrested, like, someone goes on the thread and it's like, I can't believe these people are acting like animals. And it immediately immediately becomes a race thing because they're like, oh, you're calling black people animals? They're like, no, they're literally looking at... 
this horde of teenagers that broke windows, broke furniture, vandalized property, hit like innocent bystanders for no reason aside from mob mentality and they were just like pumped with adrenaline. They fought each other, they resisted arrest. That's why they're calling them animals because the people in the conversation there's video of them doing animalistic actions. Mm-hmm. And they're like, no, no. And they dismiss all of that. As soon mm-hmm. as they hear animal, they're like, no, it has to just be because of the color of their skin. Because mm-hmm. you wouldn't say this about white people. I was like, yeah, you would. You would say this about anyone. I've literally, I, I've had white roommates before, like now in my living situation. I had a lot of white roommates. And they were like bummy. They fucking never refilled the toilet roll. And they did like animalistic shit where it's like, oh, you're just not civilized. And how I would see them act with women. How I would see them act in like social situations. I'm like, oh, you're, you're an animal. You're a savage. And not once where they're like, are you saying I'm acting like a black person? No. Because they understood that I'm like, no, you're, it, this is just not a literal way of me telling you like you should be better than this. Exactly. You should have the education to know, hey... This has pretty heavy consequences. This makes me look pretty bad as a person. This embarrasses the way I was brought up and any type of parenting my parents might have had or it's a reflection on the lack of parenting I had. And so the whole triggering of the word animal and like my my friend agrees. And you're just like, yeah, but you think anyone's going to sit and engage you for five minutes and hear why you're saying the word animal? He's like, I agree that it's stupid. If someone's acting like an animal, say they're acting like an animal. Or what's what's a new way to say it? You're acting like a dumbass. That's yeah. not... There's emphasis. There's, like, context to words. Like, dude, you're acting like a fucking animal right now. Yeah. And they're like... But now it's like you got to tiptoe around the fucking word. Well, so this is the thing. I think it's staying on the same wavelength. The, the biggest trigger word for, for us in the community, and it used to be a trigger word for me, is the N-word, right? Using it like the, the trump card, the specialized weapon to, to hurt us. Dude, I use that on white dudes. I, I use the hard R on white dudes. Because, like, why not? What, why, if someone's acting ignorant, why not say it? Mm. Right? The thing is, is like whenever you specially make this word tailor-made for me and we hide it off in a box so that, what, racists can grab it at any time? No, yeah. fuck that. Yeah, I'll use it on you. I'll throw it right back at you, bruh. The fact that you use it makes you one. Like, so, like, the thing sure. is, is, is that everyone needs to we are a very primitive culture and primitive in, in thought we, we we just can't handle nuanced ideas like one of the things when i was living in the uk before i was in chicago is like people don't talk about race as much there they talk about nationality mm-hmm. which is more of a refined way of talking about people actually your nationality probably tells a lot more about you than your race probably tells what language you speak uh what your opinions are on marriage a bunch of other stuff right and that's why i think the when, I love that you brought up language because I think we need to be more precise with our language when we talk about race and problems and things like that. Because I don't think we have race problems. Like I don't think the black community actually has a problem in America. The Nigerian community goes to sixteen uh, college 16 times that of whites of the same socioeconomic status and are pursuing graduate degrees higher than any other subgroup in the population. They're not having that. Their problems aren't the same as single parent mother problems. So the fact of the matter is, we're not going to be even able to address the issue if we keep speaking in vagueness, uh, and if we keep not addressing it because we're afraid of how that'll make me people feel. Mm. Did you follow the whole Shea Moisture controversy? No. Wait, all right. So Shea Moisture, um, a product predominantly used by Black people, uh, they ran a new commercial. Uh, they like premiered it on Twitter and uh, I don't even know if it ever went to TV so I don't have the facts on that but 
the, it went viral on Twitter, and then they promoted it to Instagram, um, and it was essentially a commercial talking about, like, how these women encounter hair hate, and so there was a black woman in there, there was a Latino woman in there, there was kind of like an exotic looking woman, there was two white women in there, talking about like, yeah, I get, essentially, I have to deal with hair hate, and I get made fun of because of this, and my hair, I wish it was like that, and like that, and so, they, they're like, but with this Shea Moisture product, or this shampoo, like, it works wonders, and like, I'm just condensing essentially the purpose of the commercial. So, black fucking social media erupts. Because they're like, how dare you, like, include white women? They don't encounter hair hate. Like, how dare you? This is a slap in the face to your black demographic and your black consumers. Essentially, it's like, you should have only had black women in your commercial or people of color in your commercials because we're the ones that will go to a job and not get hired because of the way our hair looks. White people don't uh, endure hair hate. And I'm like, dude, my wife is white. My wife is self-deprecating about her hair all the time. So for you to just go out and be like, I'm inserting my own personal context and agenda on this, on this marketing campaign that was clearly designed to be inclusive to cultures outside of black people, and just so they can, it's, it's a business. Mm -hmm. You're trying to increase your clientele. So if they're like, hey, so it's almost like a subtle way of being like, it, this is not just for black people. Mm -hmm. Like, this is for everyone. Yeah. And that's what that commercial was doing. And especially in a time where a black voice has been the, the loudest and being like, these marketing companies and these businesses mm -hmm. have to be more inclusive of everyone. And then a black, uh, a primarily uh, marketed towards black company decides to take that step. And it's like, let's include Latinas and people of color and white people. It's like, no, but we didn't mean them. Yeah. So it's like, well, what do you want? What is it that you want? The one to feel special and, and being a victim. That's, yeah. that, dude, this is the thing is a lot of people can't feel special other ways. So they do it in ways of being a victim. Yeah. That's it. They accept it as validation and we're addicted to outrage. They moralize advertisements and make it. Dude, here's the thing, man, is like there is no, I'm not saying that racism doesn't exist. I'm not on that ignorant train. There is racism that exists. There's a very visceral hate that exists within this country. <laughs> but I think the only thing worse than racism is to think that it, their thoughts actually have something to do with your value. Your value is a completely made up concept. All right, like it doesn't actually exist. People's thoughts don't actually exist. Do, do people really understand that? Like someone thinking horrible things about you, they're thinking in a made up language. The language itself has only existed for 500 years. So like really their contempt, all this other stuff, it, it's not real, okay? And this binding struggle that we all collectively feel, this outrage or whatever, it's just, it's just some way to feel superior to people and being outraged is a way to feel superior. I I was at this uh, I was at this hip hop music panel, and uh, one of the guys on the panel was Ernest Wilkins. Uh, now works for Red Bull Sound Select, but he used to be um, a writer for Chicago Tribune Red Eye. Uh, one of the guys on the panel is Jim Derogatis, if I'm getting his name right, or is it Steve Derogatis? I think it's Jim Derogatis. Uh, big music journalist. Um, he one of the biggest things he has to his credit was uh, he broke the whole R. Kelly scandal piece about mm. R. Kelly was essentially trafficking 14 and 15 year old uh, girls to him Ten? regularly. Huh? 10 year old? 
no, 14, oh, 15 oh, year olds. Um, regularly. And this is like when he's in his late 20s. This is like around the time when the whole uh, peed on the yeah. girl video popped up. And to this day, people are still like, oh, all he did was pee on somebody. I'm like, no. Like, in Jinder Agata's, his, his big thing was he went and talked to the families. He went and talked to all these women that, like, they were preparing litigation against this dude. Essentially, in one or two sentences, this dude regularly trafficked 14 and 15 year old girls to the studio. He was a pedophile. He's like hardcore pedophile. This dude falsified Aaliyah's age, like to marry her. So it's like he did that through legal forms and illegal forms. This dude has a problem. Mm-hmm. And, but I don't know, just aside. In, in our society, in, in the age of consent in Norway, I think is 15. Yeah. And most of Europe, it's 16. Well, maybe he should have just moved to Norway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Norway's biggest army. That's situation. what I, if I was his lawyer, I would have told him that. But also, if I was his lawyer, I'd be getting paid mad money to deal with all the pedophilia things. So I'd probably been like, yeah, yeah, just stay here. He, me, <laughs> I, I know the guy, and he is rich. Yeah. It's the guy that's been. <laughs> Represents him? Yeah. Um, but so I'm at this music panel, and piggybacking on what you said before, um, how sensitive people are, and. So it's primarily black people. It's probably like people of color. Like I had just released my last hip hop album shortly before that. So I was there trying to like get some tips like on how to expand and progress and uh they bring up they bring up uh essentially Kanye West and Jay Z and I don't remember the talking point. But it was harmless. We're just we're talking shop, we're talking music. Jim Duragatis is an older white guy, but he he's savvy, he knows mm. music. He's like a Rick Rubin, but for journalists. And uh, one of the guys in the audience, it's the Q&A part of the, uh, the podcast, or not podcast, uh, Q&A part of the panel. He stands up, he asks a question. Jim Duragatis responds with a, an example where he talks about um, Kanye West. And he talks about Jay-Z and Watch the Throne had recently came out. Biggest song on Watch the Throne is uh, Niggas in Paris. Mm-hmm. Just because he said the music title, the song title... And he, he, he didn't say N-word in Paris. He said, he said uh, yeah, and, and he just he's casually breezed by it. And he's like, he's talking songs, songs. And he's like, and when, you know, one of the biggest songs during this time was uh, Jay-Z and Kanye West, uh, Watch the Throne Niggas in Paris. And this dude fucking shuts down mentally. And he makes the whole room awkward, the whole panel awkward. He's like, hey, man, I don't really... Re- I don't really appreciate that word. I don't appreciate that, that you're saying the guy that asked him the question. Yeah. And he's like, I don't appreciate that word. I don't appreciate that you're asking. The whole room starts heckling this guy. Yeah. He's suddenly getting in his feelings. Again, so a professional, a music journalist that's answering your questions, giving you very detailed reasons on his answer to the question that involved him using the title of the song. Yeah. This guy was, is, wasn't tiptoeing around being like, I really want to use the N-word. I really want to use the N-word. No. It wasn't like that, but this guy reacted. As if he had schemed a way to throw the N-word at him. And I'm like, we're at a hip-hop music panel. We're talking about what's relevant in the culture of hip-hop. At the time, that song was a big uh, influencer. Yeah. And all he did was name the song, and suddenly he shut off and dismissed context intent just because he used that word. And that was one of the biggest examples of when being too woke can mm. go wrong. No, it's not woke. It's asleep. Yeah, true. Dude, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you all you wokeness people, dude. It's all this asleepness, bro. Yeah. It like, dude. Here, here's the thing, man. Like, I think a lot of this is dated. So this is dated victimization. Like my dad's generation. My dad was born in 1947. 
hell yeah. Like, that was an awful time. Like, yeah, you, the system was literally against you. Now the system is against us, kind of. Like, it's, it's, I'm going to tell you this. Black people, we have better, better media representation than Indians or Asian people and Hispanic people. Mm. Especially Hispanic people considering the, the amount of the population. All right? Um, we have great scholarship opportunities, all these other things. Is there a prison industrial complex? Yes. Are there people mm. profiting off of, of black despair? Yes. Okay? There, 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 there's tons of awful things. and there's machine, But, like, there's also a culture, a community. No one holds rap responsible for shit. Like, okay, I'm going to tell you this. If Jay-Z dropped, instead of saying Crystal dropped Kierkegaard or Schopenhauer in some of his songs, dude, you lead to intellectual revolution. I kid you not. I know dudes named, who have called themselves Machiavelli because Pac talked about Machiavelli. Mm. Rap has a profound effect to change people's lives. Why? Because there's a huge commodity on it being real. Mm. All right? And these guys say, like, Jay-Z says, oh, yeah, man, I read. I read all the time. Then why don't you tell, show your fans and your lyrics? Right. right? Like, so to me, I think rap is way more responsible than people make it out to be. And, and like, like, like do, are they enti- do they need to? No. They're artists. They can do whatever they want. I'm not going to tell them what to talk about. But, like, if we're talking about people that are responsible, dude, how do uh, we have an entire culture that validates criminality? That, val- that not only validates worship criminality. All right, like oh, dude, I make I there, who 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 is it that just came out with an interview who said I make uh I make murder and nigga music, all right. Um, was that Twenty One Savage maybe? And so I think so. Uh, I didn't hear, but I don't know the exact person that said it, but yeah, do you have guys named C Murder? You guys have every guys who made their entire career talking about murdering cops and killing people and killing other people, talking about black black on black crime. Why doesn't Black Lives Matter ever storm a Lil Wayne concert, like? Lil Wayne has advocated, strictly advocated the killing of black males in his songs, time and time again. Never gonna hear why, because black people can't be responsible for black plight. Yeah. Do you do you believe that whole uh, opinion that there's no such thing as a racist black person? No, that's stupid. That's... I I I think that's the one thing I've been going against the hardest uh, for the last few months because, I mean, even when dude, I did the drop. Um, the drop open mic a few weeks ago and it was literally it didn't matter if it was a white comedian a woman comedian uh, and any other color uh, between the two um, but like it was black comedians back to back all of them had some joke that was about how horrible white people were or like little little punches towards a white people can't handle the truth white people this and it was just back to back to back to it was exhausting I go up there I have material on a bunch of topics. I have about a dozen black jokes. And they're they're not hacky. They're new. They they're like M Night Shyamalan if I'm pronouncing it. You don't know where the joke's going and then I hit you with it. Mm-hmm. You're like, "Oh, fuck." And so I literally go up there. I was like, I address it. I was like, "All these jokes have been anti-white. How about let's level it out. You guys care if I do all my black jokes?" Room gets quiet. And I was like, oh, it's only okay the other way around. When in my world, I'm like, I would have loved to hear Mexican jokes. Mm -hmm. How about some Chinese jokes? Since we're all obsessed with race here. But do you guys not see that the repetition of this and the frequency and how it's it's mentally exhausting, it's audibly exhausting to just be like, white people this, white people, am I right? White people this, white people that. And I'm just like, dude, you're all equal to me. And I got jokes on all of you. Mm-hmm. So you guys want to hear mine? Dead quiet. They don't want to hear it. 
They just want to hear you shit on white people. Well, the, the, here's the thing, man, is like, I don't like, so I used to do, when I was first doing stand-up and I looked more black, I used to do a lot of that kind of jokes. But then I saw myself as like, I'm only seeing myself in relation to white people. How, mm. how sad is that? Right. That, 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 that your entire perspective is in response to them. So white dudes don't do bits about us. Mm. They don't. Why? Because they don't look at us. So why don't you just do bits on you? Like, you know, yeah. like, why, why is everything in response to them? Everything's in reaction. Even the Oscar thing, dude. Like, I'm like, dude, who gives a shit if they like you? I don't care. Like, fuck your awards. Like, if you think I'm, if I'm truly talented, dude, I'm going to get validated other things. I don't care. Mm. We need, and this comes from this culture of a pain. And I think all the races carry it. We secretly want, like, hey... White people, it's not real until white people love you, you know? <laughs> it, 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 and, and, and for the feminist angle, it's not real till, till, till men love you, right? It's not real till the opposite side, you know? It's like, dude, to me, it's like, dude, I don't care, dude. I just want people to like, to fuck with me, to fuck with me. That's right. it. That's it. That's all I care about. And it's, it's this, this entire philosophy, this, it's, it, it, you're, you're right, it's exhausting, you know? And like, and so to me, it gets in the way of the real issue, which is I – this is going to be the real thing is I feel that a lot of times in the Chicago comedy scene – I'm not going to talk about the greater world. Chicago comedy scene shuns minority comics. The central part of the scene, unless you're undeniably really good, famous, or on the cusp of being famous, you are generally shunned. Or you have to work super hard to get in that click. Um, I, I don't know whether it's systematic. I don't know whether it's culture. I don't even think people are hyper aware of it, but it is. There's a, there, you you check out any of the the inner sanctum circles. It's just them. And what I, I bet you've had this where you come up to conversations and you try to talk with people. They just stop, stop talking. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Or they're like, so how long you been doing this to try to validate them giving you any time? Yep. In the conversation, I'm like, dude, I'm honest with people. Like. They're like, how long have you been doing comedy? Uh, on April 25th, it passed. One year anniversary. Actually doing comedy. On stage. But people don't give a shit about my backstory and that I did comedic screenwriting. I was in comedy writing classes in college. That I grew up watching stand-up and cartoons. That I literally play with action figures and create these little worlds and make little one-liners and little jokes. While, and I would, I would create dialogues. People don't give a shit about the background. They just want to know how long you've been doing it on stage. And they also don't give a shit that I've been performing as a frontman on stage in various music groups in 15, all that encompasses who I am as a comedic performer. So when I tell people, I'm like, I'm only one year in, they're like, I thought you at least done it like three or four years. Mm -hmm. I'm like, no, officially one year in. But, and I stopped telling people all that backstory and shit uh, because anytime I said it, they're like, yeah, but none of that matters. And I'm like, okay, you know, I respect that. I respect that opinion. But it kind of matters if you don't believe I've been doing it for a year. Mm -hmm. You're like, you're too comfortable up there. You have too much material. There's no way it's for a year. I was like, no, it's just everyone has different avenues. Everyone moves at different paces, man. Like, I sit down and write. Like, some people need to go to mics every night. I can't. You know, I got my dog. I work at night. I got my wife. And, you know, I detract from the main point that we're talking about. Well, which, uh, which is uh, the... Uh the uh oh the the basically self-segregation of the scene oh yeah yeah so sorry because i that's the one thing i try to do in conversation i was like if i feel like i'm detracting like, i need to bring it back yeah um so so yeah dude like 
but people like they either hear I'm Mexican or maybe they get the hint from my tattoos because I got the sugar skull on my neck, I got the loteria on my arm, and or they hear some people just know me. They'll listen to like my first joke where I introduce I'm Mexican and I have that little arc where I set myself up and I'm self-deprecating, and then they go outside and do their smoke break. So if you ever bring me up in conversations and people kind of vaguely know me, they're like, oh, he's Mexican, right? That's like something I've heard commonly, but. When I've tried to, and I'm very social, like, yeah. I, I've worked in hospitality, I serve, bartend, like, it's ingrained in me. Uh, so, like, I'm the one at shows and showcases, not brown-nosing, but going up and being like, hey, man, I support what you do, like, that was funny, I'm like, that joke about this was great, um, and then I'm like, oh, like, when's the next thing, when's the next thing? Just genuine support. And then they look at you like, mm, you're... You haven't earned my time yet. Yeah. Who are you? And I'm like, you're still local. Like, oh yeah. You, who are you talking to like that? Well, like, it hit me whenever I went to Jokes Notes and I was talking to dudes who had been on TBS and they were t- way more friendly to me than freaking micros who've been stuck here for five years. Yeah. Like, that it's just this this false sense of superiority. But like, also you watch the scene and you watch other new guys come in, right? Who've been brand new. And then they're instantly accepted into this, this basically this other thing. And so, like, here it's just basically you got to earn your keep and whatever. And it's like, oh, whatever, dude, I don't care. So, I, but, like, one thing I have noticed is people who tend to be, are, are growing in a lot and coming up in the scene. I mean, you have a comedy show. You have Vic Pondia. You have all these other guys. They're not part of the central part of the scene. Mm. Because the central part of the scene is high school. You know? It's, it's, it's high school. It's who, who's having sex with who. It's, it's, it's. It's this this negative circle of people. It it is um like I try to I try to support showcases because mm-hmm. I, I never wanna be that I don't wanna be looked at that person that's like, Oh, you just email us to get on a showcase but you're never at the show. You don't support, mm-hmm. like we don't see you and all this and that. Um but it's also hard when it's like all these shows advertise featuring the best comics in the city. It's it's like the easiest go-to tagline. The easiest, uh, the best comics in the city. But then it's like Monday, you have these six names, and without going into a big list, and then Tuesday, these six names at this location in the in West Loop, and then Tuesday, these eight names, still some of the six names here at a location downtown. Then Wednesday, uh, seven thirty, nine thirty shows. Uh, 10 names still encompassing uh, 80% of the previous two names. So it's like you see the same names popping up all throughout the end of the week. And then it, it, it increases that divide. And it's like the people that are in that inner circle of people that are benefiting from these gigs, they'll talk down to everyone. They're like, no, you just got to put in the work. You just got to put in the work and this and that. And I'm like, you've been doing the same material just in the year I've been. <laughs> Where's, where's your jokes? Mm-hmm. You stop writing as soon as... It, like, if I was in your position, I want to write more. Yep. So people that... So hungrier comedians. Because I know there's always someone that's trying to take your spot. Hungrier comedians are like, I'm going to write more jokes than that. If they're getting laughs on that, I know I can take this concept and do that and that. So it becomes this competitive thing. And it's like, don't talk down to... These comedi- these newer comedians that happen to be comedians of color ha- that are going to offer a new perspective, and like 
per se, like, the minority comedians that are in that inner circle right now, it's like, don't fucking Uncle Tom that shit mm-hmm. and be dismissive and be like, no, it has nothing to do with this. It has nothing to do with <laughs> that. It's just you have to put in the work. And I'm like, no, dude, you're being dismissive. It has to do with that, too. Yeah. Because all of us are hustling. Yeah. But for you to be oblivious and be like, no, 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 it has nothing to do with race. It's like, then you sound like Lil Wayne in that interview mm. where he's saying that racism is not a thing. Yeah. You it, sound oblivious. Well, and like some people might be oblivious, right? Yeah. Like, you know, and, but I do agree with you that it's kind of, it, it's this insulated thing. It's this, this, this scene thing. And like, honestly, like everywhere has a scene scene and every community you have. And like that, and honestly... Eventually, like what they're saying isn't incorrect, right? Like if you were transcendently funny, eventually people. But it's just that there is just I don't know. It's just a a roughness, uh, a a, a difficultness in the relationship. It's a lack of effort, and that to me bothers me more than anything. It's and it's also a lot of the guys who are the most PC. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of the most politically correct comics who are always talking about like oh these injustices, blah blah blah. It's like why? Like I remember joking with a comic. I was like, why comic? uh, Blue line comics. The guys who will talk against police brutality but won't talk to a black comic off stage. And that 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 that. And it goes back to that Magjante thing. It's like you know, in a sense, making us out to be invisible like is way worse. Like then and then not then not really in then. Not saying the n-word, yeah. right? Since you brought it up a few times, and I keep forgetting to say it um, before I forget. Like the, I saw I saw two other comics use the n-word um, on stage that weren't black, and they got away with it, and it got laughs. It got laughs, and it was other white comedians that either blasted them the next day on social media. Or they approach them after they did their set, and they're like, you can't do this, you have no right to do this, and yada, 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 and totally ignored that the whole room was laughing, understood that they were there for jokes, and they heard a joke. Mm -hmm. And my thing is, like, even these people that are protesting comics that are like, I'm going to bandstand for black people and tell you that you can't use the N-word in a joke... Just in one example, I'm like, I guarantee you're not 100% against the use of that word. And they're like, oh, how so? And I was like, I was like, so you heard people laughing, and so that means that this is more of like kind of individual thought of yours. And they're like, no, they're laughing for the wrong reason. I'm like, you can't determine Mm -hmm. that. You are speaking for other people. I was like, which which is a little creepy. Um, and also, I was like, you like hip-hop? They're like, yeah, I love hip-hop. I love these artists, that artist. I was like, do you only listen to edited hip-hop? And they're like, no. And so you can tolerate the N-word. I'm like, so it's either, I'm like, in your own language, it's either never okay or it's always okay. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, especially in comedy, where the general rule of thumb is anything goes. But you're going to come in here as a local open micer, three years in, only performing for your friends, only patting, only you within your circle patting each other on the back and saying we're all great and this and that and we're supportive. Like, that's the number one word. A supportive room. A supportive room. Um, you're going to do that. Let me collect my thoughts since I like detract. I heckled myself in that. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about the N-word. We're talking about... God damn it. It'll come back to me. 
I don't like that space. Oh, uh, dude, it's all good, man. Like, I, I was going to let you think on it. Dude, here's the thing is, like, I, I think that what's going on now is that people, and I, I said this before, is we really are trying to either be victims or white knights. And that's how, those are the two really, like, big things. It's like, I stand up for people. I stand up against this. Or I um I am a victim of it, mm. or both. I'm a victim and a white knight, right? Rather than like, yo, why don't you just come really successful, change the power structure, you know? Mm. Or talk about the real issues. Yeah. I I don't I don't think words, you know that whole thing sticking so many break my bones. A word won't ever hurt me. I don't think words will never hurt you. <laughs> like I I think in legislation words could fuck your life up. <laughs> like, yeah. um, but I think it's caring about the right type of words. Sure. You know, and not. Like, um, I had um, Aaron Freeman on this podcast, and we talked about he, he doesn't, he hates when we moralize the law, he hates when we call it something evil because it stops the inquiry there. Why well, hate when people call it this is sexist or this is racist or this is whatever because it stops the inquiry and where there actually might be the thing. And I think we need to take a lot more of the scientific method to things. And I think before the world's going to change way not on your time. Mm. It's a, and so I think what people need to be able to do is find a way to either thrive under it in spite of it because I'm, well, if there's racism there like i've been on have you ever been a 4chan uh like as my own channel or posted something on there or just seen it like been on yeah, yeah. b i know what you're yeah yeah you, you know how racist b can get mm. yeah like the first time i saw that it hurt it hurt super bad man i saw the m-word thread bro like and i was like yo i mean even a human being like you know like that kind of stuff but then after like a couple of years of grappling with the ideas and if honestly we just talked about them more as a society, I would have been felt better about it way earlier because what my dad said is why are you even validating these racists? Right. He said, why are you even grappling with their ideas? Why are you trying to prove yourself to anybody? And I think this is this entire thing is that we, and I, th- this conversation has been focused a lot on black plight partially because feminism has become such a hot button issue and I don't, I'm not a woman. So I can't I can't say anything without maybe getting <laughs> ruining my career, right? right. Um, I have a I have an episode on feminism that I'm afraid like I recorded with a, a friend of mine, Shira, and it was a really great episode and very constructive. I'm afraid to post it. Literally, I was afraid to post it after seeing some guy getting eviscerated for for expressing views that were uh, slightly controversial, and I was like, it's not worth the the storm that might come or the half quotes that might come from it. Do you have you heard that like? Uh... This is more like a Midwest thing. Because, like, this is what I hear a lot. That this doesn't happen on the East Coast. Nope. This doesn't happen on the West Coast. We're, we're kind of laughed at here. Mm. And for those of us that grew up idolizing these West Coast and East Coast comics, this is foreign. It's foreign to me. Yeah. How censored and how PC and unspoken this... How unspoken PC and censored this local Chicago scene can be. That, like, I struggled with that. I like I almost was like is this even worth pursuing cuz this is my home base. Yeah. I'm not I can't because of like what I have going on in my life. I can't just dip to LA or New York right now, yeah. but I want to do comedy. And so I would literally go home after Mike's all the time and I'm like what's going on here? It was just that stark realization that it's like so this whole time I thought I could really say what I wanted mm-hmm. as long as it was funny, as long as it was smart and original, but now there's all these unspoken rules like one my best joke I had in my first five months, very smart joke, uses the word kind once. Whole room would laugh. And then 
I got warned by a buddy. He's like, hey, man, if you're trying to do shows in Chicago, uh, you might want to drop that joke or maybe change the word cunt to something else. And like without burning the bit, I can tell you it later, but they won't work with any other word. It will not work. It's the it's zero fat. It's the fucking ignition key in the ignition. That's what sets the whole thing off. It's a twist. And I was told, I was just like, they're like, yeah. I was like, what? I thought we could do everything in comedy. And they're like, well, I mean, yeah, officially, but you know, uh, they'll literally blackball you and ban you from rooms for like a year. They'll like write your name down and say like, don't consider them until like next May or next March and shit like that. I was like, for using the word cunt in a joke that was very carefully written, took me like three hours to trim this shit down. Very carefully written, always gets a huge laugh. They're like, yeah, but do you really need those jokes? I'm like, I need that joke as much as you need your joke about straight white males, about Starbucks, uh, never getting your name right, about how dating's hard and about how Tinder. You don't need those fucking jokes any more than I need this joke. Mm -hmm. So don't give me that defense. But do you really need those jokes? It's like, no, I can write this joke. You're afraid to write this joke. Mm -hmm. You don't know how to write this joke. That's why there's different levels to this shit. But don't tell me I can't be at this level just because you personally can't be at this level. We all go at different avenues. What I love about that is you kept the moral authority. And I think that's what's really important in dealing with political correctness is you keep the moral authority. You, 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 don't, you don't try to live up to their standard, right? Because you'll always fall short. If you're trying to convince people that convincing is a very weak frame of reality, right? Like confident people don't convince, you know? Confident people just state what they are, right? Yeah. That's it. Fundamentally, like if you want, if you choose to be offended, my joke because the only things that are offensive are 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 shit and and vomit. Those are actually viscerally offensive. Like like or seeing a dead body. That's what that's what offend means. So like really like oh my god, this this smell is so noxious. Yeah. Right. Words not really. Not not really. If you bring it up, you might bring back a memory or whatever. Dude, if my dad can watch war documentaries. All right. When he fought as a Marine in Vietnam, saw people get their the brain blown out of their their skull, and he can watch war documentaries and not get triggered, then you're then <laughs> you many people cannot get triggered from other wars. This um, I have this joke where I'm working on where um I, I, when I when I cheat on my wife, which is how it starts. I'm gonna tell her um, the only reason. <laughs> The, uh, the only reason you're, you're upset is because you think you're supposed to be. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, but that's the main thing with a lot of these other things. You ask, why are you offended? Well, because why? Because why? Because I'm supposed to be. That's, right. that's it. It's like, I, and I think a true mark of someone that understands the purest foundation of comedy someone that doesn't have that reaction to words Mm -hmm. it's like especially us we're supposed to be these critical thinking creatures uh that even more so than the average human these critical thinking uh philosophical people that can look at life in a skewed version which you can only do is if you have that elevation Mm -hmm. down to the ideology and the logistics of it like that is to me a true comedian someone that doesn't they can do all that they can dish it take it not get offended because it's almost like a nirvana of thought mm-hmm. where you're just like these are words and it sounds like you're there already 
and I'm, I'm like aiming to be there because there's still stuff out here that just like based on that but i quickly and it's like a two second delay where i'm like uh-oh like this will contradict yeah like th this will contradict my philosophy this is a joke mm. and it was funny yep and that's it and that should be your reaction exactly it's a very personal thing where it's just in your head you're like oh i wouldn't have done that that's Maybe it. not yet, but it was funny. Yeah. But it did it did bother me, and that means it works. Mm -hmm. But I would never go on. I would never go up to someone or do it in any form of way to tell them like, this wasn't okay to me, and you should be aware of that, and you should consider that next time you try telling that joke because that's selfish. Well, so America is doing this weird thing where we're moving towards more of a libertarian philosophy economically. And moving to a more authoritarian philosophy with our liberties, you know. And to me, that's the worst of both cases. Guys, if you don't know, I'm an anarcho-communist, which means I believe you should be hyper-free and there should be no money until I get this check from Netflix. <laughs> Then that's I'm a commun I'm a communist, but a sellout. Here's the thing, man, is dude, like comedy is tied to suffering. Life is tied to suffering, you know? Like, the only thing that can help you deal with suffering perpetually, the only, the only drug you don't have to pay for is laughter, all right? And if you can laugh at yourself, you can fucking do it all, you know? And all those people I said in the scene I hate, if you guys are listening to this, I really do hate you. <laughs> like, I, I, I want you to know if you think it's you, more than likely it is you. <laughs> like, but it's okay, you know? Like, if you come up and talk to me and treat me like a person... Hey, I might change my opinion. <laughs> but, just be a good person. It's like, it doesn't, it's like, oh, well, I'm a good writer. It's like, but are you a good person? Uh, are you someone that's just going to let other people be good people and be genuine about their comedy? Yeah, All right, yeah, cool. Dude, dude, this is artistic expression here. Hey, man, Renee, do you have anything you want to plug? Uh, yeah, I will be returning to Hamburger Mary's on May 3rd. I am their first return headliner. Honored uh, to do that. Dude. Uh, catch me there on Wednesday in Andersonville. Uh, if you guys are... At where am I? May sixteenth at the Comedy Clubhouse for Laser Comedy Show. Uh, I don't know if anyone's gonna be willing to trek to Indiana or to Wisconsin, but I'm at Yeti's on May sixth. Now I'm in Indiana uh, with Clark Bynum at, uh, May twenty seventh uh, for the Drop Comedy Club, and you can follow me on SoundCloud.com/slash The Gossip Structure, Instagram and Twitter at Gossip Structure. Just drop the if you want to follow my comedy and or my music. All right, and so guys, about those shows, if you invent a time machine and want to go back in time to watch these shows, definitely do this. This episode won't be out for like oh maybe. fuck yeah, it's uh, not. <laughs> I didn't know that. No, 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 it's all good, man. It's all good. But this episode has been dope, uh, guys. Always, always, uh, like, follow, share, subscribe. Uh, you know, go to my YouTube channel because I need that, and follow <laughs> me on Twitter because we're judged on that. Instagram, if you want to see pictures of me half naked, and um, yeah. I do. Yeah, exactly. Renee does. <laughs> hey, thanks for being on, bro. Thanks, sir. And um, always, as always, Godspeed and good night.